Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Things NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Cooper Klein. And uh, we took a little bit of a break. I've had a, a really crazy uh, up and down two weeks, so I, I apologize for that. Uh, we will be back with FIBA and, and retrospective draft content soon enough. But um, we decided that the draft season has officially started, and we just had to comment on on, on these first two games of draft season. Um, so obviously, of course, we're talking about it's called like the G League Fall Invitational or something like that, where the G League Ignite played against the Perth Wildcats. Uh, but before we get too into that, Cooper, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, just got off work, had a good week, um, lots of work to do, but, you know, always really happy to watch, you know, uh, watch tape for this. And this was really, these were some really fun games to watch. Uh, like you don't get to see two, like, very clearly like distinctly opposite styles of play uh like go up against each other and with such talent like nba draft talent and it was uh these games were awesome they made my week honestly like watching these games was the highlight of my week it was sick uh and i'm i'm ready to hop right in as soon as you are yeah absolutely um so for me what i was really interested in is that i thought there was an argument that there were three top five players playing in these games, preseason top five. And obviously Coop and I have talked multiple times how we try not to get too attached like preseason or early season board rankings to the extent that I won't even, I only update my board as we do deep dives on guys, but just, just in terms of what I know about this class, um, what I tend to look for in guys, I thought there were three top five there are three guys I would predict end up in my personal top five playing these games. Coop, do you agree with me? And I'd be interested to hear if so, who those three are. So I, I do agree. I think they'd be three of my top four, honestly, as of right now. Um, I am really high on, on these top three, it's kind of a weird top three, but I mean, Ron Holland, Alex are the top two guys I'd have on my board above anyone else. And, uh, the other guy I'd have top four, who I'd have at four, would be uh, Izan Almanza. Uh, I think he really showed his strengths in these few games. Uh, he showed like a just functional enough handle to get around. He showed off his feel, his you know just ability to be in the right spot at all times is is kind of a slept on skill. And in a class that feels like it's a bunch of weird bets at weird players, uh, Almanza just feels steady, uh, and you can't really go wrong with that kind of guy especially because i i think there's 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 a solid amount of upside there with just the amount of skill and feel he has for the game yeah i want to talk about omanza first because i i I think uh i want to kind of compare and contrast sar and holland when we get there um i think what impressed me most about omanza um was just that he is so fluid um and not in like the bam autobio way where it's like he can string together a ton of quick twitch movements, but it's more so like his maneuvering around the paint, his, his footwork on the perimeter, his um, general ability to, to run the floor and to stop and start in like an effective manner, you know, in the short roll or kind of, uh, you know, in transition with the ball. Um, and, and that like, like uh, fluidity combines with a real sort of funk, um, he had this one play where he was he had the ball like in semi-transition and he did like a pickup at the three-point line, had the ball above his head, but his dribble was killed and he couldn't get all the way to the rim. So he did like this weird like off one push shot floater from about 12, 15 feet and it was just pure money. And it was one of those where it's like, was that a good shot? Maybe not. But I think it is indicative that he is both fluid and uh creative and that's something i i generally really like i thought he was a a very plus uh passer for his role he's not a great ball handler he doesn't have very good ball skills i wouldn't say but he consistently executed passes in, in a variety of ways there's one where uh you know it was a fairly simple read but it was a nice little corner kick uh on, on a drive when uh the the man was helped off in the corner um i thought that he showed good feel defensively um 
not oh i i don't know that i would say he's like an elite rotator but he does just seem to always kind of be in the right place and that helps cover up for his lack of elite vertical athleticism not i wouldn't call him a bad vertical athlete but he's not like a, a skywalker like someone like an alex Sar is he's much more of a technically sound defender who can get up can do a lot of things well um just i i was just really impressed by his overall kind of poise and uh and his just game in general uber efficient down low too with with a shot that i think looks somewhat projectable uh coop uh, do you have anything else on on what you saw from Almanza here yeah i really liked the passing uh just he would process what the defense was doing in the short roll or on the perimeter really really well uh i thought he just seized the floor really well i i get where i like i get what you mean with the handle but i think for like he's the kind of he has just enough a handle where you can't like completely cheat off of him right and i think that like we talked about in our in our bigs episode a few weeks ago that's like a pretty valuable skill like the the one play that really stood out is he kind of like was dribbling along the perimeter trying to execute a dho and the big man it wasn't sorry i don't think but one of their big men cheats off of him too much and he like turns the corner on him and gets his shoulder into the defender and bumps him and knocks in the easy layup. Like he's got just enough funk and just enough of a bag to be able to, you know, punish missteps like that. And he's such a quick processor that I I think it's something that's going to continue to happen even at higher levels, even, you know, as teams get stricter Uh, because guys mess up. It's just like a consistent thing. Guys make mistakes and Almanz is going to punish you for those. Uh, He's, like he's a great rebounder. I think he just knows where the ball is going. He sees the floor really well. And that's a super valuable thing to get from a guy who can also defend pretty well and is pretty cerebral on the defensive end. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely fair. I want to jump to the other two guys we were talking about because um, I think these two guys are going to have a really interesting debate for number one on my board. Um, I think I want to, I want to start with Sar. Because I think I, I I think Sar in general is a little easier to see what he does, and he's sort of another guy in this in this continued lineage of obviously elite defenders who are trying to do more than you would expect from that type of defender offensively. Uh, we basically had three. This will be four years in a row that that type of archetype of player uh, where it went: Evan Mobley, Chet Holmgren. Victor Wembanyama and now Alex Sar, and that's obviously a, a a hard to define archetype. I think it's indicative of sort of the big man renaissance that we are going through that uh, ties back to the the pods we are we we have been we will continue doing I should say on on uh, the retrospective drafts. But um, what stood out to me about Sar was uh, his combination of uber quick fluid hips and uh really elite hand placement on blocks um so his hips are uh incredibly sudden i would not call him like an elite perimeter footwork guy right now but when he gets beat his hips flip so quick and this is effective i mean for like chase down blocks and stuff but it also shows up when it's like he has to play multiple actions so there was this one play where uh, I want to say I want to say it was John Jenkins was like driving the lane and Sar rotated to completely cut him off. Jenkins throws a pass and then another pass goes down to a guy cutting to the other block and Sar was able to meet. I I can't remember exactly who that was. I want to say that was um, maybe Babakar Sane, who he just met at the rim. And it's like the quickness with which he maneuvered around the paint to cover multiple actions was just really, really impressive. He's so... He's just very sudden as a mover. And he also combines that with, uh, you know, like really great hand placement on blocks. He is constantly getting his hands right on the ball. He he doesn't foul as much as you would think for someone as young as he is who can text, who can test as many shots as he does. Um, so I, I was just, I mean, just left very, very impressed with Sar defensively. Uh, offensively, I think, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad right now. Uh, he tries to do more than he should be, which is probably a positive, right? He um, was doing a little bit of, a little bit more dribbling than he should. I think he probably had 
in that first game, he probably had like five or six turnovers where it's just like he tried to dribble through traffic and just got completely stripped. Uh, Almanza particularly was great at digging in on his handle. Um, but, you know, Sar is a, probably a legit 7-1, 7-2 uh, who can dribble a little bit, who will make right reads. And something I'm, I, that's, a, that's a fairly constant thing with a lot of the guys we're going to talk about today is that uh, he's trying to make the right play a lot of times. He's not always succeeding, but he's trying to make the right play. And I think when you consider everything that Sar is, that's a very positive thing. Uh, the shot to me, I think, is maybe a little bit more questionable. He definitely looks more comfortable taking it off the dribble or like off of a jab step or something. Uh, it, ha- it has a very exaggerated lean, a very flat release, which is part of why he leans back so much so that he can actually generate more arc while he's leaning because he shoots it so flat. A lot of his misses are super hard off the back rim or the backboard even. Um, but there was a lot I, I really liked about Sar. And I think he he's someone who I think I could comfortably see myself having uh, pretty high. He sort of reminded me, not in the shooting sense, but defensively when I was writing notes about him, like they were remarkably similar to like my notes on Taylor Hendricks, but he is like five inches taller than Taylor Hendricks. So if that one, if, if you want like a general idea of uh, how I feel about him defensively, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, he's just everywhere. Like there are so many moments where he's rotating like 10 feet in a few seconds and he's covering tons of ground and getting blocks and he like on the boards, he's not like the craziest board catcher or like like board crasher. And his, you know, his screening isn't great. And he he doesn't like, there's a lot of like stuff that's not technically sound in his offensive game, particularly, but also in his defensive game. But I mean, the tools and just his raw instincts for somebody who are that big and that athletic it's unprecedented. I mean, there's there's very few guys who are seven one and can kind of dribble like that and can really move and you know just see the floor to any kind of degree like he can. Um, I really like he was bitching Eric Mika as, uh, like a solid few times. He'd get up on the boards. He was flinging he's uh, he's flinging these these G League Ignite guys around because he's just able to get higher is uh like he almost floats in the air it's pretty insane like they're the like the he has a very strong base of traditional athleticism as like a run and jump guy and then you also watch like he does a bunch of small stuff really well especially for someone like you mentioned whose footwork kind of sucks right like his defensive footwork he had that one play against ron holland that got clipped and, and was on the timeline where he clamped him but for the most part, like he's getting beat on the perimeter semi-often. It's because his footwork, he has no idea what he's doing. But he can just flip his hips, contest from behind, uh, at least bother the shooter, if not get the block. Like he's just kind of a menace. And if that offense can come around to like any degree, uh, you know, if we can see some growth in his offensive feel or in the shot or in some of his skill, his touch looked really bad. <laughs> Uh, in that game at times like he was just flinging shit off the backboard but I think he should have gotten fouled a lot more than he did for what it's worth but uh if that if any any of like the the outside like any any of the stuff that's not fully there develops during this season it's going to be really hard to keep him out of your top two or three because he's just such a crazy athlete uh who can do so many things already while being so raw yeah, and, and and for me, I mean, so I, I want to say he is, uh, I, I want to say he's still 18 right now. Uh, he was obviously in the OTE. Uh, we will talk about him when we eventually get to FIBA stuff, but um, just I, just someone who it's hard for me to not. I, I, I would be 25th of April 2005, so that that's 18, yeah. Um, so I, I would be shocked if he's, not my one or two, and I would say he probably has the early lead for number one over someone who, Coop, I know you're maybe even a little higher on than me, Ron Holland. Do you kind of want to give me what you saw from Holland that really impressed you? Man, Ron's motor might be the hottest motor I have ever seen in my entire life. He is, like, all over the court trying to do everything. Uh, whether he succeeds or fails is, like, the big question. Because, uh, you know, he's not 
like his handle's not great. The shot's kind of weird, but there's so many flashes because he just forces the issue constantly. He's in passing lanes. He's bothering ball handlers. He's fighting for rebounds. He's, you know, it, it, there were a lot of times where they were like forcing him to initiate and do stuff like that. And I really like to see that in these games. And like, he hit this crazy step back three that had me like actually like up out of my seat in the first game. And, you know, there were flashes of him like creating from the mid range from deep. And in that second game, especially he just decided I'm getting to the line over and over and over again. And that's what he did. He basically buoyed a G league ignite offense that did not work in the second game. They were down nearly 20 at some point, I think. And he's just like, nope, nope, we are not getting killed. We are not getting killed. And he forced his way to the line over and over and over again. Uh, he's able to make simple reads on offense. He can make some simple dishes. Uh, I think he is like, I do want to see what he's like as like a secondary, oh, the ball swings to me and I'm just immediately attacking a closeout because he was a bit too hesitant for me at times. But I think if I had to guess, it's because teams just want like the, the team wants to see him be a creator of some kind, see what's really there with his creator potential. And I mean, if there's even something there, I think Ron is like far and away my number one, uh, that motor and the athletic tools and just what he would bring to an NBA team has him in the one spot kind of far and away. It's, it's him and Saar battling for it. I don't, nobody else really comes close as of right now. Uh, but I mean, Holland just so physically dominant, like his feel is pretty solid and he makes up for his mistakes because he just keeps hustling. He does not give up. Uh, I, I just loved what I saw for him in these, in these two games. Yep. Uh, I, I, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like with Holland. What if Andrew Wiggins had a plus plus motor? Um, I think that's a, He's not that quite that type of athlete, but um, yeah, I mean, really, really impressive defensive playmaker. Uh, the shot looked okay. He hit some really tough ones and then had some horrible misses on ones he absolutely should have made. So it's like, I'm, I still think that's very TBD in terms of what level of shooter he can actually be. Um, I, I, I did really like his slashing. He had this one play where <clears throat> he had a, Left to right rip. It was against Sar actually. So caught it on the perimeter. Left to right lip, uh, rip. Couple dribbles with his left hand. As the defense rotated, rotated over, he crossed back over to his right hand in front of that defend, defender and then split Sar and the rotating defender with his pickup and got like this like crazy running layup. Now he is a bit erratic. He is almost always like, like flying at the rim. He needs to add a little bit of craft, a little bit of patience with some two foot finishes and uh, slow himself down a bit. But I'll take someone I'll, I'll take a bet on someone who can consistently get to the get to the paint, tries to make plays for others, has a shot that I think at the very least will not be like a complete zero and is going to play as versatile as plus defense is Ron Holland. I think that he to me feels like a very safe bet to just be a good player on good teams. Uh, with with uh, some upside to get to, you know, really, really want to get to be one of the better slashing wings uh, in the league. Um, I want to throw this to you, Coop. Was there anyone else watching these games? Before? I, I want to end with Matos Buzelis. Was there anyone else watching these games that kind of stood out that you think is worth mentioning before we uh, finish this off? Uh, well, quick shout out before we get into that to Bryce Cotton for being like the most ethical hooper of all time he's incredible uh i love him i wish he was in the nba because he is so 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 fun um i thought tyler smith was really great from the ignite especially in the first game knocked down some spot up jumpers played some solid defense great hustle play he's legitimately big at like 6'9 220 um has some solid skill he kind of took a step back in role from the OTE where he was a star last year for them, but he's coming in, he's playing his role for this G league ignite team. And I, I think it's really been commendable. He can get to the rim, play some defense, uh, just the kind of wing that you want to bet on size plus, you know, off ball skill is, is pretty solid. 
And I liked what I saw from Baba Karsane. Uh, the touch was kind of bad and he looked out of control at times. I think like it, he just didn't fully know what to do, but his motor, his hustle, um, he was really trying out there. He was throwing dudes around. He's so strong. He's got a solid handle uh, for, you know, a, a, a wing forward type. And I don't know that I would like take him any higher than like the second round, but he's a fun forward. Uh, he's a little bit funky and could maybe be something interesting for a team. Uh, did anybody other, did those guys or anybody else stand out to you? So I, I like Smith. Um, I, he when I wrote in my notes, I I wrote uh, he reminded me of a Morris twin. Um, so for whatever that's where he's big and strong. I would not call him an elite vertical athlete, but he can get up. He can get up a little bit, especially off to um, lefty. Uh, had this one really nice like jab sweep midi. Um, I think the shot looks pretty good. Uh, so you know just to. To me, it seems like a like an interesting bet to just be like a a really solid do it all way uh, forward. You could you would say definitely more of like a forward than a wing. But I've started to come back around to the value of rebounding. Um, I think when I was in my edgy phase, uh, I I kind of left that out of a lot of my evals, and I'm still probably not great at it. But uh, I liked his rebounding. I thought he was a really especially defensively just strong base uh does a lot of good things on the boards um i don't really there's no one else who like really stood out sane okay he if he can shoot he might be a guy but he's only about six five six six so uh i thought ben marshall from from perth was actually sort of interesting so i looked him up he's only 19 or not ben marshall excuse me ben henshaw uh, I, I, I apologize for messing that up. He's only 19. I looked at him like, did he play anywhere? No, uh, he just, he's just a guy, just a six, five guy. It seems like he can really shoot. And then already an elite foul drawer. Just, uh, he, he got to the line on some bullshit, like six or seven times. I swear. Uh, just, uh, so shout out to him for that. I, probably not like a real NBA guy, but, uh, someone who will at least add another guy who I can watch in the periphery while watching, uh, saw at Perth this year. Um, let's talk about Buzelis because I think, I think for a lot of people, and this is not to be rude, a lot of people don't watch high school or AAU stuff or anything like that with any type of scrutiny. A lot of them watch highlights, or even if they're if they're watching full games, they're not scrutinizing a lot of little things. So, Buzelis is someone who has kind of come in was the number one ranked guy in this class projecting number one overall pick by like ESPN and guys like that. I've, I've been lower for a little bit now. I wouldn't say like out, I'm not out on Buzelis or anything, but lower his height is a question. I, they list him at six, eight on the G league website. Supposedly he measured in at six ten without shoes at some point. He did not really look that big to me. Um, Coop, what was your overall takeaway from Buzelis in this? Buzelis can't really dribble like against any kind of pressure. Um, I think that's kind of the sell with him. He's this tall guy, has like a semi-functional handle, and he's like a creator bet because he's kind of skilled and can kind of handle. I don't think that dribble, that handle's real. His only real handle moments were in transition, right? Every single like highlight of him on the ball was he gets the ball and he's just off to the races, right? Or somebody makes the outlet and he's doing cool stuff in transition. Um, I don't know how much I buy it. He was like getting killed by these six one Australians. And it's like, dog, what are we doing here? Um, the shot's interesting. You'll have more to say about that than I do. I think it looks pretty solid for a tall, skinny guy, but, uh, I don't have like a ton of opinions there. He's kind of interesting as an off ball guy because he's just so big and kind of athletic. Like he had this awesome poster where he cut back door and put, uh, you know, one of the one of the Perth big men just on a poster. It was insane. Uh, and he's like had some cool moments where he's offensive rebounding and drive, you know, running up the middle of the lane, getting a putback. But a lot of that is like either it feels really scripted or it's like the most obvious thing on the planet, right? Like it has to be wide open for him to to do it. Um, I do think it's still really interesting. Like he's a solid mover at that size who can do this off ball stuff and. It's just solid, but I, I think he's a lot more raw 
you know, people really talk about I, defensively. He had some interesting moments, but for the most part, he moves like a big man at like six, eight, six, nine. And he just got scored on it. Like people scored on him at will on the perimeter at the rim. He was cool in rotation. Like I thought his rotations were good, but he can't do anything man on man. And, and it was kind of worrying, uh, you know, because I've seen him as high, like, like you talked about, as high as one. And it he's just so raw. And I don't know what the appeal is there as like a top, you know, three or even four guy. Yeah, so I think my biggest takeaway from these games with Buzelis was um, he doesn't really know what he's doing right now. But he is trying to do some nice things, and I like that. Like he had a couple of passes that I thought were nice, not high, not high level, but he had this one play where he gnashed under the basket and then saw like a cutting Mika or Micah or however you say it, uh, and and I thought, okay, that was nice. Um, you're you're right that he can't really dribble in contact. He's rough on the perimeter. I think a lot of it is that he really struggles to handle any type of contact, and he is almost never getting positive leverage. Now, I don't think it's quite like Obi Toppin bad in terms of like how high his hips are, but I think his hips are so high that he's struggling to like really consistently bend below uh, defenders um, or get low, lower than handlers on defense. Um, Because I think he has like decently quick hips. I don't think his footwork is awful. He's very jumpy and he's very gambly with his footwork. Like he will kind of expose his top foot and do all this type of stuff that's really bad. I think it's because he got away with a lot of bullshit in high school, to be honest. Like, he was just a a little more athletic than everyone, and that's just not the case right now. This was a a very athletic game. This is a very athletic G League Ignite team, and he kind of looked like one of the worst athletes behind guys like Holland, obviously behind Saar, but even behind Tyler Smith, he looked kind of less athletic than him. Uh, He had some good moments, but I I think something that, and I, I I need to watch more to like fully formulate this opinion. That's why we're not doing a deep dive right now. But to me, it looks like he's not very fluid. Like all his movements in one way or another are somewhat segmented. Like he is, he can be fast. He can get low. He can have a quick hip turn or a quick twitch hip move, or he can jump really high, but he struggles to like, quickly explode from one position to another like uh movement wise like he struggles to get low on a drive and then get back up quickly to finish he so he just kind of wants to stay straight up the whole time uh even though he can get low so i'm not sure that that's like uh something that's super fixable i, I honestly like i said I, I don't really know and i need to watch more buzelis but uh, i mean if i was just talking about these two games like i would be borderline like I don't know that I would really draft this guy right now. Like uh, he just needs too much work. Like uh, he should be, he should be at college. Um, But that's really all I got on this. Like in general, my main takeaway is there's not a ton to take away. Uh, Just clearly that even though these are my top two guys, they're not scoot and they're not Wemby. And that's a big takeaway uh, just in comparison to last year's draft. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun discussion. Uh, I, I, even while I say Saar and Holland are likely to be my top two, uh, this is not to discount uh, a lot of other guys who are in the college ranks or whatever. So, um, I, you know, I'm very open to things changing. Coop, do you have any final thoughts on these games before we move on to the mailbag? Uh, London Johnson's pretty cool. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's like a guy, a guy, but he, he, he if he, he could, he, if he, he could get to a point where he could like really shoot it, I think he's definitely a guy. But I'm, I'm worried that the shot, like if the shot is anything less than like, like really high level, then it's just nothing will fully click. Yeah, he's 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 got some funk, and I I want to see him succeed because he's fun like that. But uh, yeah, that's really about it. This was really fun. Like this was a really fun game to watch. If you haven't watched these games, like just watch them for yourself. Like you don't even have to like evaluate or like take time. Like it's just a fun game to watch, a fun set of games, and uh, you know, seeing the ignite guys compete with you know a a, a professional team. From, you know, not a great league. Like, Australia is not a, one of the best leagues in the world. But, um, like, seeing them compete and keep up for the most part, it, I, I thought it was pretty impressive. Uh, especially because, like, they didn't just feed Eric Micah or whatever. He doesn't deserve to have his name pronounced properly. He stinks. They didn't just, like, feed the vets the whole time, right? Like, Holland and 
you know, even Tyler Smith played really well and like had great stats and, and really carried this team. Almanza did a great job carrying the load for them. And like they built this team to like actually support these guys. And I'm really excited to see what this Ignite team like does. Like, I, I think this is their best surrounding cast yet. Other than Micah. I just, I just hate that guy, but I, I'm excited to see how this year goes for them. Yep. No, I, I think that's uh, completely fair. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. Um, so we actually got a good amount of questions. I'm surprised. Generally, when we put these out in the off season, we get like one question maybe uh, because people just don't care about the draft this far away generally. Um, so the first question is from a good friend of the pod underscore everything Cavs, everything Cavaliers. Thoughts on the Cavs offseason? Do the additions made change how you feel about the potential playoff success? Uh, I should note that I am already a gigantic like Cavs believer. I just am. I think this team rules. Um, I'm very, very high on uh, Evan Mobley. Obviously, I love Donovan Mitchell as well. Um, so I, I, I'm cool with all of that type of stuff. Um, so that's, you know, like, that's my general, like, early takeaway is that if you just give this team time, like, I think they'll be championship contenders. It just takes a little bit sometimes. Um, uh, Coop, do you want to walk us through how you feel about the Cavs and what your kind of general thoughts uh, on this team's offseason are? Yes, they added a lot of shooting, um, especially, like, once you get outside of the draft. Um, they added, you know, they brought back Karis LeVert. They signed Ty Jerome, Georges Nyang, Max Struess, even like drafted Amani Bates. Like these, these are a lot of guys who can come in and if one or two of them can stick in this Cavs rotation and actually be playoff players, this is a great, like incredible offseason for them. They have their core. They have their guys. I think that they make sense. They just need to be able to shoot. I wish they'd added a bit more size in their shooters um like even Amani is like so 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 skinny just somebody who could play the four next to Evan Mobley and still space the floor uh you know for those end lineups like that's not gonna be George's Niang um like they it, it I do wish that there were other things that they had done but like they had a draft they drafted Craig Porter uh which was a great move like he was one of our favorite players in this draft great shot blocking guard who can, you know, allow other players like, like Max Strews, like George's Nyang to be viable in minutes. If he actually does play, I, I imagine he'll spend a lot of time in the G league, but I, I think he could be a real like contributor for this team moving forward. Uh, I'm not the biggest Karis Levert fan. I, you know, I used to be, and I, I think he's great at what he does. I just don't know how valuable what he does is. And they brought in a lot of older bigs to do this kind of stuff, but um, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm just excited to see the core mainly. And if one of these guys can stick and actually like assist the core in being good, then this was an incredible off season. And like, there wasn't really many other steps they should have taken. I don't have like a ton of deep thoughts here. Uh, I, I say this as like one of the biggest Isaac Okoro fans on the planet, but he's just not a good fit with this team as a starter. Uh, and getting Max Strews to fill that role. Uh, Max Strews is maybe a little undersized, but he's he's strong. He can definitely guard a lot of threes. He's a really underrated defender, in my opinion. Fairly bad off-ball defender, but really solid on-ball defender. Um, and you combine that with the back line of Mobley and Allen. Um, I just think getting this team just desperately needed a real shooting three, and having him, uh, I think they're going to be really tough to guard. They're going to be a great defense. They might be my favorites to win the East regular season right now. Playoffs, different question, but I think there's a real solid chance they're the best team. Uh, plus, I, I also think they had one of the best UDFA pickups in Craig Porter Jr. I think he's going to stick in the league. I think that guy rules. Uh, so very, very just in in general on this team and their offseason. Uh, this one is from at journalist Nate Nathaniel Miller. Uh, easy preview pod topic. Who are your... What are your favorite collegiate five-man lineups with at least a couple pro prospects? So, I mean, listen, I'll I'll give Coop a little bit of time and try and think, uh, you know, where I'm at with this. Uh, I could start easy and go uh, WSU has, uh, you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, I think the obvious one to start is USC. 
So USC would be running Isaiah Collier. Sadly, probably not Brawny, uh, but if he was healthy, Brawny. Um, but we'll say Boogie Ellis, Kobe Johnson, DJ Rodman, Vince Uwuchukwu. That's three guys I would consider pr- like real prospects uh, and call your specifically really high-level prospect. Iwuchuku is someone I really like. Kobe Johnson's the other one in there. Uh, Boogie Ellis is not really an NBA prospect, but just a really good shooter, can really do a lot of things. Um, and if Bronny was here, I would imagine Bronny would start over DJ Rodman, and then you would have another prospect in that in that group. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are probably going to bring up Kentucky. I don't really love Kentucky's group, so I won't. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, another Pac-12 school, Colorado. KJ Simpson, Cody Williams, uh, and Tristan Da Silva is like an interesting top three. How the rest of the group plays around that, I, I, I there's questions. Obviously, Lawson Lovering is gone. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly they're going to start at the five. They might go small again like they did last year and play Tristan Da Silva at the five, Cody Williams at the four, you know, like a Julian Hammond at the two, who's who's like just a really good shooter. Um, and then try and find one more guy to kind of fill in on the wing. Maybe Luke O'Brien can be that guy. Um, but that's a team that I think is really underrated, could be really, really fun. And then the last one I'll go with is uh, Iowa State. I'm stealing it from Coop. I'm sure he was going to say this one, but um so they have jackson pavaletsky who is like a borderline prospect he's not very athletic transfer from wofford um really solid passer really really plus shot maker at the guard spot they have kashawn gilbert who i really like uh he's transferring in from unlv really good shooter who just doesn't shoot enough dog on defense solid passer can run some nice pick and roll of course milan momsilevich and omaha bailu and then, uh, you know, whoever else is going to fill in there um, will will work for me. Uh, I'm actually going to go one more because they, they just popped in my head. And this is like a really underrated one. But Rutgers is going to have a really fun group this year uh, with a couple different guys who I think could be, uh, you know, uh, at least borderline or somewhat legit prospects. So the top guy there is Gavin Griffith, Griffith who I think is really good. Um uh, on their roster, they have someone listed at 612. So shout out Rutgers for that. Um, Derek Simpson, uh, as a starting guard, uh, is a pretty funky scorer, does a lot of fun things. Noah Fernandes is probably going to start as well. So if, if we're breaking it down positionally, say Noah Fernandes, Derek Simpson in the backcourt, those are two good shooters, good passers who can both score for themselves. Uh, you add in Mawat Mag or Mog, uh, who's like a funky kind of slasher. Uh, pretty good athlete. He's a senior, so kind of coming into his own. Gavin Griffiths, who I mentioned, really just like slinky ball handler, can really shoot the piss out of the ball. Uh, legit 6'8". And then, of course, Coop's favorite at the five, Cliff Omarui. Uh, So those are my kind of like top five-man lineups uh, to, to watch out for in college basketball. Coop, did I steal all yours, or, or do you have any others you want to point out? No, I, I definitely I have a few of my own. Um, I wasn't you know, fully able to listen to every single one, but I, I know I have some of my own here. I like Baylor. Uh, I like Jacoby Walter and Langston Love, particularly as prospects, but uh, seeing those two with Jonathan Chamuchachua, Jalen Dennis or Jalen Bridges, uh, and then just another, you know, probably Ray J Dennis, a guy like that, or, or even like, a I I like Myra Little a little bit, uh, solid size at the guard spot. I'd like to see what he can do, but I, he'll probably be a multi-year guy uh obviously have to go with arkansas um devo davis khalif battle tremont mark trevon bazile uh and then probably l ellis would be the other guy because i don't want to see the mitchell um, the mitchell twin or there, there is, davenport out there, there is not a single prospect in tremont mark yeah. and trevon Brazil. but um go off okay just show how much of a casual you are um you are not a, you're he's not on the devo davis train so you obviously don't know any ball. You're embarrassing yourself. Uh, I'm actually going to – I was going to do Alabama, and then I forgot that they lost literally everyone. And, the like, geez, that team is not going to be fun next year. Uh, I like Arizona, a few of their prospects. I don't actually like much of that team, but I really like Jaden Bradley. Uh, Kylan Boswell is kind of interesting. I really want to see more out of Omri Vissar. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see, like, Pell Larson and Umar Bayo. Uh, Hell Larson stinks, but Bio's at least kind of interesting. Like he's got good touch for a guy who's that big. Um, 
I do not want to see Caleb Love play any basketball this year, but sadly we will see him do that. I'm the world's biggest Jaden Bradley fan. I think he like just creates advantages automatically. He's solid with the ball in his hands. Great defender. He's tough. Uh, Vizar is just super tall and skilled, and I hope that he actually gets to play some this year. Um, Miami, Florida, or you know University of Miami, uh, Nigel Pack, Matty Cleaves, and Wuga are kind of like the three NBA prospects there, but then put them in with Norchad Omier. Uh, and then I don't know who would be the fifth there, uh, but I mean, we'll, we'll see how that looks, but I mean, Nigel can just really bomb it as much as he is like five ten and not a great defender and all this different stuff. He's super high feel on the offensive end can make solid passes and just bomb from deep. Uh, I imagine he'll at least see a, a little bit of time in the league. And then, I mean, two of the best wing scorers in the country Maddie Cleaves and Wuga. I'm so excited to see this duo in action. <clears throat> I really hope that like they find a way to play together and they don't kind of detract from each other because they're both kind of like athletic strengths based wings, but I just want to see them like destroy teams on both ends this year. And I mean, they're both guys who I would have as first round picks right now, if I like actually made a board um, and I'm really excited to see them. Uh, and just to make Bryce sad, uh, I can't wait to see TJ Bamba on Villanova. He's going to be so good. Was that really necessary? Sorry. 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 That was the saddest I've actually ever heard you be in your entire life. That was, that was uncalled for. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, I just want to say, uh, like, there's a lot of other teams we could point to, um, but that's probably plenty. We didn't even mention, like, UConn. Uh, Coop, did you even mention Houston? I didn't because I, I wanted to be okay. I'm proud like, of you. I'm I wanted to be I wanted wanted to be different. Okay, this is, this is a new era. Matt Matt has come in with maybe the greatest. Oh, of course, I should actually at Matt Moderno, one of the best in the business. Maybe the greatest question we've ever gotten. Uh, really, really love this question. Um, if the G League Ignite didn't exist, which colleges would have been the best place for each of the GLI prospects? So. I, I find this both fun and interesting and a question I never expected to have to think about. But I also actually think there is value here in understanding what type of players succeed where. So, Coop, I think what I'm going to do is just name off certain players, and I want to hear where you think they, they would have excelled. Uh, let's start with Izan Almanza. So this was a tough one. I mean, it still actually kind of is a tough one because – like I don't, I would in theory want to see him play in like a big 10 system where he can play slow and I can see him like make reads right where they're not running up and down the floor, but then he's going to play the four almost exclusively, right? Like he's not going to play the five against these kinds of bigs. Uh, and it would be like really annoying. Uh, I, I honestly think I'd like to see him at like almost an sec school where they play fast, but he's able to make more reads because their guard play isn't super great in the SEC for the most part, like an Auburn or an Alabama, where he's able to do a lot of the playmaking, um, you know, for these teams that have a lot of like solid shooters in size. And he's really able to lean into his strengths and, you know, not, not be insulated, but just actually be able, like, it's hard to find teams that allow guys to play in the short role or like let bigs, make plays like that uh why are you giving me that look because you're dancing around my answer and i'm just like i'm wondering if like you're ever actually gonna say it take it away it's arkansas arkansas it's man imagine him with Gavin short Moore roll and, and short roll jalen williams v2 spacing yeah, well, so that's that's more where my thought for a lot of these guys. I actually think the the uh, an interesting part of this exercise is like, okay, who are some interesting player? I hate to do this, but player comps who could kind of make sense like playing that role. And while Monza is very different from Williams in a lot of ways in terms of their role in the Arkansas offense, I would actually like to see Almanza play more like Jalen Williams. I would like to see him have to be that type of decision maker. Uh, I would love to see him be that type of versatile guy in, in, in you know, the role game. Uh, I'd love to see how he looks defensively in a scheme where he's, uh, you know, hedging and recovering a lot. Um, it ha has to be very aggressive and help. 
Um, so like that type of stuff, I think would be really fun to see. Um, a lot of the other ones you mentioned are good. I, I, I sort of agree. Like SEC makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind to see him like, uh, you know, he probably could look all right in, in like, uh, UCLA in a lot of years this year, I wouldn't want him there. Cause there's too many bigs on that team, but like that, like, like you mentioned, like slow pace, see him make deliberate reads and see how that looks over the course of the year. But I think if I had to narrow it down to one, I would say Arkansas. Also, before we move on, TCU, uh, mm-hmm. just how many cutters and shooters and just players they have that can do that kind of stuff. Uh, even like playing next to Ernest Uday, I think would be fun because he's kind of a funky mover. Like, I, I think they could play really fast and really interesting. I think TCU would be my final answer um, because I like TCU more than Auburn and, and Alabama. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to Matas Buzelis. Um, this is a hard one because these are the guys who should be in the G League Ignite. Like, funky wings who need to play with the ball in their hand at least a little bit, but also need to learn to be good off-ball players without just standing in the corner. G League Ignite is where you should go because that's where – because college basketball is not friendly to unpolished ball handlers who need the ball a little bit. Like, it's just not. Um now, Buzelis was always going to play because he's so highly ranked. He was always going to go somewhere to play. So, like, maybe you could give a simple answer, like, go to Kentucky. It'd be him and DJ Wagner would get the ball a lot. Okay, that's something. that There's not, there's not really a scheme fit, but that is, like, you know, there's something there. Um, I You know, Kansas probably could have been interesting. The way Kansas uses off-ball movers, I would love to see him kind of learn to to cut and space in the way Kansas uses their, their off-ball players. Um you know, uh, but I, I'm struggling to kind of come up with like a real hard and fast answer. Coop, what's your kind of thought process here? So looking for a team where he can do both, right? Where he can be this off-ball guy and figure out his off-ball strengths, but then also have a chance to handle the ball a little bit, see what he can do. Um, and I think looking at like a WCC school, I think is maybe – that answer because I I don't think he could play in a power five conference and like be a creator to any degree. Like if he played in the sec, he'd be getting clamped up by six, one guards and it would look really, really bad. Right. Like day in day out. But if he went to like Gonzaga or St. Mary's and he was able to be a cog in the machine and then some games it's like, Oh, okay. Let's see what you can do against some of these lesser defenders, that kind of thing. We don't like, we're probably going to win this game by 30 anyways. Let's see what you can do. I think that would be the kind of mixture I would go for. Um, maybe even like a Marquette where they have like an Oso Iguodaro, but then he also like has a very defined role, uh, you know, defensively. He knows what he's asked to do. He can play off ball him and Oso. Like he doesn't have to dribble to play make a ton, right? Just because of how that scheme works, how that system works. Uh and I, I think I would pick Marquette because it's my favorite. Like, I think their coach is the best of, of all those guys. I fucking but... love Shaka Smart. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a I great pick that I had not thought of. And because I don't want to steal yours, it got me thinking about another uh, another Big E school. How about him playing a facsimile of, like, the Andre Jackson role at UConn? Um, where he's handling the ball quite a bit, but it's not usually in, like, a – pure pick and roll setting or anything it's more like uh in this like motion system i think you'd have to really learn how to make reads which i think is good for him uh and it and it lets him take advantage of what he is good at defensively which is being ultra aggressive trying to create steals knowing that he has clinging behind him to clean things up i think that could be really really fun so we're both going big east for matas um so there there you go that's a solid answer uh this one will probably go quicker at the ari dill darlin um, I mean, he should be a kook because he's a uh, he's an NBA Africa Academy guy. But uh, Darlin is is not someone I'm particularly high on from what I've seen. He's a solid athlete, but I, you know, like I'm not sure exactly what he does um, consistently to affect winning. He's another guy who could have been good at Kansas, but I'm not sure Kansas would have taken him. And if his goal is one and done, I think he's a really hard fit in a lot of places. Uh, he's the type of guy like maybe like an Arizona State a team that just like desperately needs legitimate forwards. Like, okay, he can go there and be a one and done and, and play a good amount. But 
not a ton of teams use players like Darlin early in their career. They want to wait until they get to a point where they are consistently good defensive rotators. Um, so, you know, in terms of his long-term development, I think like, uh, you know, Arkansas is another place that would have been good for him. Uh, there's probably a couple SEC schools. Um, you know, I, I think like Oregon could have been an okay spot. Um, but I'm struggling to like really nail down one single one. Um, and you know, I actually like one that could make a lot of sense is if he was willing to wait Gonzaga, uh, sit behind Anton Watson for a year, uh, kind of learn how to play a role where, um, you know, you're, you're going to be, um, making a lot of stagnant reads as a passer not having to really make like live dribble reads, but just learn to be like a good, solid, consistent decision maker with the ball. Um, I think that would have been a good spot for him. So, uh, Gonzaga final answer. I, I think I'd say Memphis. Honestly, I, oh my I don't. God. Oh my God. What? What? No one's best spot is ever. No Memphis. one's best spot is Memphis, but I can't. I struggle to think of a school like if his job is to play, like he wants to play. There's no school that will actually play guys who are only athletic like Memphis does. Like I, there are guys who are like almost starters, like six men, seventh men off the bench for Memphis who do not play at other, would not play at other schools because they don't like understand basketball to that level, but they're just big and athletic and long. And I think uh, Penny can at least get like production out of guys who can do that. Um, I I think it would depend on his goal. Like I, if he wants to develop, I think going to a team like Kansas state would be cool where he could have time, like play good comp, but there's no pressure to like play a ton early. But I mean, I also like, I don't know a ton about (laughs) theory, but uh, like just athletes like that. I I think your line of thinking is correct. If you like actually want to become a prospect, you need to go to a bigger school where you can play a little bit, show off the flashes and then eventually like earn your minutes, that kind of thing. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, all right, let's move on to Ron Holland. This is another one where um, I, I, I think my answer here is pretty easy. Uh, he should be a, a Coug, uh, and that is a Houston Cougar. Uh, I was pushing for that for a long time. Um, Houston is like a weird offensive fit, but a perfect defensive fit. And I think that that is more important for Ron. Uh, let him go be a roamer. Uh, and then I actually think there could be benefit to him playing a smaller role offensively because for me, I don't see like creator for Holland. It's off ball slasher, which is notably different. They both put the ball in their hands, but it's not the same type of thing. And, you know, I would like to see Holland kind of forced to be that a little bit more, force him to shoot off the ball, force him to attack closeouts, go downhill, Um, you know, let him run some pick and roll, but not overdo it. I would worry about Houston spacing around him. Um, But, you know, other than that, for the most part, I think, Houston just feels like obvious to me. That's where I've always wanted him to go. It was Houston or Arc. Um, and I think the more I think about it, the more I prefer Houston. So Cooper, are you with me there? Obviously, I would love Ron Holland to go to Houston. That was like my dream forever. Uh, if I had to pick one school that wasn't Houston, I would pick Texas AM, I think, honestly. Just go to a team where he can just hustle and kick ass. And, you know, those guards can shoot and they can dribble and he gets to play more of that off ball slasher role in a slightly better spaced offense. Uh, and I, I really, I think Texas and I think Buzz Williams, I think he's a good coach uh, playing in the SEC against real, you know, talent, real men like that. I, I think it would be, it would be a really good way to see what he truly is while not asking him to do too much. Right. Like they have guys who can dribble the ball and handle the ball and, and do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, London Johnson. Um, I mean, this one is a dime a dozen, right? Every team needs slashing guards who can make some shots and make some plays. Um, you know, I think Gonzaga is another play like that would have been a good spot for London. St. Mary's is like a very different, like St. Mary's loves to have like athletic slashing guards. Um, and that definitely could have been Johnson. Um, I think uh you know, even like Michigan State, if like he could have been a big 10 point guard. I struggle to pick one that's like the best one. Um, you know, so I'll say like I don't know, Oregon. Oregon would have been a really good spot for him. Uh have him, you know, get to play a ton of pick and roll. 
and play in a fairly well-spaced floor. So Oregon is who I'll say for London Johnson. Uh, I just want to see London Johnson go to a team that could like actually use some guard play. So like, I think he'd be great in the SEC against all those small tough guards and like he's more athletic and you get to see what he actually is. Um, like, honestly, would he be Alabama's best guard? Um, pretty solid chance. It's him or Mark Sears and like Mark Sears, he's not that good. So I, I think I pick Alabama or again, like an Auburn that just plays these small fast guards. Uh, you know, he'd be able to pass, you know, and play make a little bit more at Auburn. I think they have more options, you know, kicking the ball to Aiden Holloway. I think they could be a really interesting yin yang type thing. Um, you know, just somewhere where he can, you know, initiate, do his thing in freedom and, and still be challenged every day. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. All right, moving on to our uh, last spot here. Uh, the last guy we're going to talk about, we're going to skip Dink Pate because I believe he still has, he has to be two years. Um, and I don't think Sané has any college eligibility left either. He's another one who just, any team that actually plays wing, Sané would be fine. I don't think there's like a specific fit that matters. Tyler Smith, however, I think is really, really interesting. Um, so I, I went down a couple paths here. And I think for me, the biggest thing I want to focus on is I think he has to develop a, a certain way to really, you know, properly get to NBA level because he could, like, if he developed as like a post, like a six, nine skilled post scorer, uh, he would be a lot less interesting. So I, I, I tried to think of teams that tend to use forwards like him in a versatile enough way to be interesting. So, you know, of course, I thought WSU here for at first because they actually do do that. Um, and uh, I doubt Smith ever would have come there, but I, I do think that actually would have been a very, very good fit, both for him and for WSU. Um, I think like a Maryland could be a solid answer here. Uh, Maryland and even like Minnesota as as uh, Big Ten teams who kind of use these guys pretty interesting, uh, use forwards like this in, in interesting ways. Um you know, if you want to go down to like the Big Twelve, I think uh, uh, Texas is is fairly solid at this. I think um, Kansas is an obvious pick, um, but I, I think I, I think in general, you want to find a spot where he's not just standing in the corner, but he's also not posting up a ton. And um, you know, I, I think playing a bit up tempo could help with that. So I, I probably will go back to the Big East and, you know, I, like I think St. John's could be a really interesting spot for him. Uh, it's a team that could use a guy like him, I think, too. Like I think he would play a lot early next to Glenn Taylor, next to, um, you know, some of the other – I'm blanking on the their point guard's name. Uh, but I, I think uh, – uh, No, Posh is gone. He's going to Seton oh. Hall. Smith, Tyler Smith would also what? be good at, at Seton Hall, uh, but um, I, I just think I would really love to see a guy like Tyler Smith under Rick Pitino. Um, he would also be a great fit at Marquette, but I think Marquette can be, as much as I love Shaka Smart, slightly gimmicky, and I want Smith to play in a in, in, in a place where he is going to be forced to make certain reads without being overextended. So he's maybe the hardest guy we've talked about to really find a fit I love because the amount of places he will play is broad. The amount of places where he will develop on the best track, I think, is fairly narrow. He's another guy who, like, maybe Oregon could be a good spot for him, but or uh, you know, UC USC would be an interesting fit this year. Colorado would be great for him. Actually, Colorado's a damn good answer too, especially if they're going to play small uh, and just have like a full wing lineup. Like, uh, so this this is a hard one. Coop, where, where are you at with Tyler Smith? I, I'm I'm looking to the ACC. Honestly, uh, there's a lot of like bad ACC schools for this, but like Wake Forest. Um, Wake where, Forest is a great answer. Oh my goodness, how did I not even think of that? That's a great answer. I I think he'd be great there, just able to like try out his game and from the forward spot. You know, they actually play like a, a pretty modern system um, where they utilize their forwards property and and. I think that he would like actually have to be used because I, I don't know how strong this roster is. Uh, I think that would be great. If you wanted him to play in a smaller role, then I think Miami, honestly, I think like if you played him next to Norchad and, you know, Maddie Cleaves and Wuga, 
just another guy. I, I think he adds a very necessary like shooting, like amount of shooting. This team doesn't super have right now outside of Nigel Pack. Um, and a little bit of shot creation from that forward spot. You add another guy who's just super strong, isn't going to get killed on the boards, like allows you to play that small ball that they really thrive with. Um, and someone who can contribute pretty early for like a very old Miami team. I, I think that would be my final answer, but both of those ACC schools would be really nice. No, I, th- I think those are both great. I would even say like Clemson could be a solid spot for them. So ACC, great place to go. Uh, when will the, uh, this is, we will never tank at, you will never, we will never tank Evan Milberg. Uh, he's a Georgetown alum must be, uh, someone who followed us because of our time on Matt's pod. Uh, when will the Donovan Klingon hype bubble burst? Well, I think the thing to know is that, uh, people are so desperate to find the best returner that I think whoever they determine the top one is gets overranked. And it seems like that's kind of Klingon. I think Klingon is good. He's probably like a borderline first round big. It's just like, he's not like a lottery pick unless it's a really bad class. I think I, cause I don't see like, I don't think he's quite like defensive player of the year. Good. He's a good offensive player, but not like a, a hub by any means. So it's just like, I, I don't know. When will the hype bubble burst? Probably once the season starts and, and we actually get data on who the best returner is. Um, but I, I actually think this could be a, like a heavy returner class because at, outside of the G League Ignite and uh, like some of the guys in the NBL obviously saw her, but then other than that, not even a ton. There's not really a ton of one and dones I really truly love and think should be and will be one and dones. Like I, I think there's quite a few guys who are ranked even like even like someone like a Jacoby Walter who I think is good could absolutely be a two year guy at Baylor. So I, I would not be surprised if this is a return heavy class. Uh, Coop, do you have any thoughts on on the clean and hype bubble? Uh, I think it'll take a while because. Um people are going to like watch him do cling and stuff. And then eventually I think everyone's going to come to the realization, Oh, this guy's great, but uh, maybe top five is a little bit much. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know why we were doing that. I think it's a lot of different factors. It's the Yukon won the chip thing. It's the Walker Kessler rookie year thing. It's a bunch of different stuff. And people see this massive dude, doing this kind of stuff, but like actually also being good at basketball and are like all over it. I get it, but um, eventually basketball discourse, this might take many, many years, but we will stop the cycle of loving defensive bigs. And then they go to the playoffs for a few years and then we hate them now. Like the Rudy Gobert cycle, like people, these dudes just get kicked out to dry the second that they show any kind of weakness and I think eventually we'll start to adjust to that kind of stuff more naturally, but uh, I don't think it's going to be this year. Um, and I, I like Klingon. I'd probably have him top 15, but like the top five and like top three stuff. And I, What are we doing here, man? Uh, Matthias Rubo, uh, who I don't know, it doesn't even look like follows me, just wanted us to answer a question, I suppose. Uh, if you're listening, shout out. Uh, he asked, any thoughts on Freddie Del- I, I always want to say Delone, but it's De, De Leon, I think, or Delone, Dion. I don't know. Uh, he's he's a Tennessee 6'5 freshman wing, good athlete. Um, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts. I haven't seen a ton of him. Uh, really good athlete, good slasher, specifically in transition, really effective. Uh, the shot looks good, but it doesn't go in a ton uh, from what I've seen. Uh, and I think he's a pretty limited passer right now. So... I would say probably a multi-year guy, especially breaking down what that Tennessee roster looks like. Um, I would not be, I would not have him particularly high on the depth chart right now, but um, he could prove me wrong. I don't know. I like that Tennessee team a lot in general. Like I think Jemai Meshack is really fun. Jonas Adu is okay. Uh, Dalton Connect, I don't love, but he can shoot it. I really like, I really like Jordan Ganey. Um, I don't know. It's a fun roster, but I'm not completely confident. Then we had one more question uh, from the great uh, Corbin Ford at Corbin NBA. He asked, who's the best shooter in this class? Um, I honestly, I don't know. Coop, do you have, do you have like a comfortable answer there? Or like, I, I, I just, I don't really have like anyone who really stands out. That's like a, like a, a freshman. Um, so I, I'll do you have any do you have any uh, quick answers there? 
Uh, Baylor Shireman is a very good shooter. Yeah, Shireman uh, feels like the one who's like maybe the easiest bet to to be there. I, Terrence Sheridan is a good shooter. Um, yeah, but is he like bet? I don't know that he's like best. I, this class, class is so weird, though. Like it honestly, like like it depends on what you're looking for. Like checks and shell stat is a fucking monster shooter. Like pull up, off movement, step backs, like whole bag. I think Brawny, if he was actually in this class, is a really good shooter. Um, Kugel off the dribble. I think Kugel's a really good shooter. The best off the dribble shooter in this class. I I mean I shouted him out earlier, but like Gavin Griffith Griffiths is a really good shooter. Um, there's a couple guys like you know I, I think Shireman is probably my favorite, just because Baylor Shireman rules. I he would have been the best shooter for me probably in last year's class. Last year's class was a great shooting class. Sam Walters might have an argument here for Alabama to really stretch that thing out. If, if uh, you're looking at a uh, mid range shooters, Judah Mintz. Uh, uh, let's be real. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Jalen Stewart going to UConn, but I, I want to call him like he's more of a shot maker than a shooter. So I, I don't know, but I, this is, does not seem like a particularly strong like outside shooting class, which is kind of wild considering how good last year's shooting class was. Um, but I'm sure someone will bump up to it. Some six eight six nine dude will shoot forty one percent from three and be a top three pick, just like we've had in the last two drafts. Even if they're like not actually that type of shooter, they'll get labeled the best shooter in the draft uh, because that's just that. Maybe Cody Williams this year, despite having kind of funky mechanics, will will shoot it like crazy. Or Stephon Castle can shoot like maybe he'll get up there. Uh, you know, TJ Power, uh, he's not really that good of a shooter, I don't think. But like one of those guys who's like a a wing preferably on the bigger side of wing will shoot really, really, really well. And they'll be the guy. So um, yeah, I think that's all we got. Coop, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, this is just such a weird class. <laughs> like the more I look at it, it's like, what is even going on? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched enough of a lot of the college guys and, you know, I'm still getting into it. And obviously we'll get into our deep dives. But this class feels like it's going to be built off the backs of guys we loved last year, and there just aren't as many guys this year, so they'll probably be higher. And it's 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 weird. Just like the more thinking I do about it, the more intrigued I am to get into this college season. Um, so I mean, and thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you know, we appreciate you sticking with us through our weird scheduling stuff uh, and sending in questions. Thanks to those who sent in questions. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I would I would expect a pod next week at some point. Uh, as Coop and I finally finish FIBA tape, um, and uh, well, at least the first part of FIBA tape. So I I would be on the lookout for that, and then we're going to do another big pod. And uh, I would not expect much content on this draft class until probably December or January. I just uh, you know, this was a fun early one to get out. Uh. But we are not going to do like week to week breakdowns of the college season or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, just uh, stay tuned for when we get into the deep dives. I think we're going to have a really, really fun time. Uh, so, yeah, follow Coop at Ali underscore Coop underscore Coop. I didn't mess it up this time. Uh, I'm at Bryce Center 14. You give us a like, rating, review, all that type of fun stuff. Uh, yeah, this has been the Epson Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. Thank you.